we're continuing our series on this idea of living in freedom every day. And so one of my good friends, Rod Whitlock, is going to come up and speak in just a second. And uh, this idea of freedom is so huge to us. I'm realizing as a church, uh, we've been talking about it every week, that if we would just allow God to bring some freedom in our lives in different areas, and we've talked about all kinds of different things, in the next few weeks we're going to do the same. Um, but this has been a great series, and so invite somebody to come and be a part of it. Today, Rod's <clears throat> going to be talking about finding freedom from past rejection, specifically. And so, would you just open your hearts and give it up for Rod Whitlock? <clears throat> Thanks, buddy. Good morning, Southridge. It's awesome. You guys are great. Listen, I need, to, I need to forewarn you right away. I spent the weekend at a high school retreat with a bunch of teenagers, so I'm kind of a little energetic this morning. Is that okay? All right, so all of you are just high schoolers in my eyes today, right now, all right? Isn't that great? How many want to go back? How many are glad you're done? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's great to be here with you again. My wife is not here. It's just me, but uh, she's back in Missouri, and we're on our way. Some of you have asked about this. We're on our way to California. We're moving to California, doing a new position there, and so we're in the process. For two and a half months, we're living out of our car because all of our stuff is in storage where our home is being prepared for us, and so, um, so I'm bunking. I got to couch surf with Troy and Jen this, uh, this uh, last night, and so we're just... So if you're available for couch surfing, we're, we're your couple, okay? So anyway, it's great. So if, you good, if you're good, take your notes out because there's some things I want you to jot down as we talk about this this morning. And it's an honor just to be able to be a part of this when Pastor Troy shared the idea of being a part of this, this longer series and we talked about what I could bring to the table perhaps in this morning. Uh, I was, I was genu- genuinely excited about the opportunity because um, I, as we all do, we have a past that is influenced a lot of our present and potentially, if we're not careful, can influence our future. And so we have to look at this idea as, as how do we deal uh, in the correct manner with our past because all of us have a past. And for a lot of us, as a pastor in ministry now for the past 35 plus years my, myself, a lot of times the conversations I have with people when we talk about some of the struggles that they're having in life, it stems from their past, and it stems from past rejection a lot of times. And uh, so we want to kind of tackle that this morning. But before we get into it, I want to just kind of give you three truths regarding living in freedom. Just three quick things here, if you'll jot these on your notes. Number one, we face a real enemy who's determined to keep us in bondage. He's determined to keep us in bondage. In 2 Timothy 2.26, it says, Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. And so the devil, the enemy, we all have a real enemy, he's out to trap us. And for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. And so this enemy is out to keep us in bondage, and we have to be aware of that and be able to fight through this. Number two is simply this. It says, Jesus leads me to victory. Yay! Okay, so I'm more, I told you these high scores messed me up. I'm really excited about that, okay? Jesus leads me to victory. And he does that to you. Aren't you glad you serve a Savior who's not just saying, I hope you guys make it down there. Good luck. I'll see you in a little while. He said, no, I'm with you every step of the way. And I not just want to get you through the process. I want to bring victory through the process. See, we see this in the scripture in Deuteronomy 24. For the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies and he will give you victory. 
You know, I mean, I think about it. You know, you have and I have a good shepherd who leads us to good pastures. And he's not just leading you to the valley. He's leading you through the valley. He wants you because we all face valleys in life. We all face those moments in life when those dark moments, those rejection moments, those moments in time when, when, when just life is coming at us. But aren't you glad that God is leading you through the valley and not just to the valley? And then number three is simply this. Just because we are free and live in freedom doesn't mean we don't have battles to fight. We all have battles to fight. And we're to put on the full armor of God, in Ephesians tells us to stand against the schemes of the enemy. You know, I think about Joshua, if you're familiar with the story of Joshua in the Old Testament. Here's a guy who takes, the, he takes charge, you know, after Moses dies, he's in charge now of the Israelites moving through to the promised land. And he gets, watch this, he gets to the promised land. This is the place that God says there's going to be blessings and fruit and all kinds of wonderful things. But if you read the story, you find out that Joshua had 31 kingdoms to defeat in order just as he's in the promised land. And so in other words, it's not just that battles before we get to the place that God wants us, but when we get to the place, there are still battles. But aren't you glad that God gives you the victory in the midst of those battles? See, he does that in our lives. And so to this morning, you may be saying, you know what? I don't really feel like I'm living in those victorious moments in life. I don't, really, I don't really think that I fully have gotten through all the rejection and all the things in my past. Does Jesus really understand what I'm going through? Is he really aware of, of what I'm facing in my own life? And so let's look at this for just a moment. The struggles from our past, they affect our purpose and our, and our future and, our, and the things that are before us. And each of us have stories that we could tell of, of, of things that have happened to us in our past. And, and whether it be divorce or maybe the, the, the race that you are, the, the ethnicity that you have, the, the lack of abilities that someone's kind of projected upon you saying, you know what, you're no good at this or you'll never be able to accomplish this or the rumors that have come at you from other people, the gossip that people have said about you, the, the, you didn't meet someone's expectations, someone, someone uh, that you thought loved you is not really showing that or displaying it. I mean, the list goes on and on and on in our lives. The hurt, the revenge, all of the different things that we face. And we look back and we say, is this all there is to life? Is this what it's really all about? I don't know. When I was growing up in the 1900s, I, do you remember those? Do you remember those? Do you remember those station wagons that they had where you could the pat, the last seat you could face backwards? My brother and I, we would ride back there all the time. We loved that seat because you'd be back there and it's like it's kind of like you're driving but going backwards really fast. You know what I mean? Just you know, never mind. Anyway, so so we would. But but the thing about that seat was you only could see backwards. You couldn't see forwards. You couldn't see what was coming. You could only see back. And some of us are living on the back seat of that station wagon. We're only looking backwards instead of what God wants to do yet and the purpose that he has for your life. But here's, here's what I'm saying. And you'll see this. Sometimes you have to look back in order to see what God wants to do in front. You say, how is, that, how is that so? Let me give you a, just kind of a silly little illustration. When I was in fifth grade choir, uh, I, everybody in fifth grade had to take choir. And so we're all standing up, you know, and the, the, the teacher's there and with the piano, and we're all singing. And he's like, you know, something doesn't sound right. He goes, I can't put my finger, hold on just a minute. So he hits a note on the piano, and I'm standing in the front row. And um, I would stand in the front row so no one would be able to hear me sing, except the teacher, 
which I hadn't really, I was fifth grade, I didn't know what I was doing. Anyway, so the, the teacher hits the note, and he goes, okay, everybody hold that note. And I'm like, uh, uh, and he comes by, and he goes, okay, go stand by the piano for a minute. So I go stand in front of the entire fifth grade class, stand by the piano. He hits the note again. Everybody hold the note. He goes, ah, that sounds really good. And I'm standing over there in front of everybody. Okay, I, I, I didn't have the same reaction you just had right there, okay? I was like, and, and have you ever been singled out and felt like everyone's staring at you because you didn't measure up? I mean, that was my day, but, but that was the backward moment. And so I got to the place later on in life, many years later, I got to the place where I said, you know what? Because I was, here's the deal. I was afraid to sing in front of anybody because of that moment. I, was, I didn't want to sing, and even in church, it was hard for me to sing because of that moment in my past, that, that rejection moment. I know it's silly. I was 10 years old, but it's, it stings, doesn't it? And, I was, and, and so I wouldn't sing. Well, finally, uh, I'm in New Jersey. I'm living in New Jersey. I'm, I'm a youth pastor there. And we had a guy in our church who gave singing lessons. And so I thought, so the backward look was the choir, but I felt like maybe God wanted to do something forward in my life and the other side of the station wagon. So I said, I'm going to take singing lessons. So I go to his house, and we're taking singing lessons. After, it was the second singing lesson, the second week that I'm there, that he tells me that he actually trains singers that sing on Broadway. Do you know what it's like to walk in after that moment to a guy who teaches guys how to sing on Broadway? You don't, because I do, because it still stings. Anyway... I, I started singing, and, and I'm like, I am so, now I'm really intimidated. But here's what I'm saying. I had to look back upon that moment to come to a place to say, you know what? I don't want to live in that moment anymore, even if I've got to, even if I've got to come and sing in front of a Broadway-style singer, teacher like this. I've got to step out and do something about it. And what happens is, is the enemy tries to get all of us to stay in the past because if he can keep you in the past, you'll never come to a place where you understand and fulfill your purpose. And so I'm still not the best singer, but you know what? I don't mind singing in front of people. I'm not, not today in front of you, but over there, this way, yeah, I'm good. All right? But, to, but I'll sing. But it took me just a little bit of stepping out and doing that. So does Jesus understand my rejection? Does he understand your rejection? Let's look at it. Number one, was Jesus ever rejected? Yeah, by foes. By people, his, his enemies, his people that he was, he was the, the Pharisees we referred to in Mark 6, 3, they, then they scoffed. Ha, this is just, this guy here, he's, he's just a carpenter. Do you know his family? Do you know his background? Do you know who his family is? Do you understand? I mean, he's, he's nobody. He has no, no, no schooling. I mean, no, and these religious leaders were coming at him, rejecting. We don't, we don't want to follow this. And, and then we see by followers, by Jesus' own followers, it says there in John uh, 666, which I find kind of ironic there, 666, he says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And Jesus is giving them a teaching, and some of the disciples said, you know what? We don't really like this teaching. And they rejected him and walked away. These were disciples. These were followers. And then by a friend, Matthew 26, 49, so Judas came straight to Jesus and kissed him. And you know the story, many of you do. And betrayed him. One of the twelve. One of his friends. Watch this. One of the twelve that the night 
that night Jesus had washed his feet. And yet he still came and betrayed him and sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. He had walked with Jesus for three years. He had seen all the stuff. He had seen it all. He had had those conversations around the campfire at night that we're not privy to because they're not recorded in Scripture. Judas knows conversations that we don't know this side of heaven. And yet he still rejected him. He still turned his back on him for some money. And then by his own family. I mean, think about it for just a moment. In John 7, 5, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. His own brothers, his own family members turned their back at points upon Jesus. Does Jesus understand our rejection? Sure he does. By every aspect of society. And today, watch this, today there are people who still reject him. In our world today, all over the world, there are people who reject him. Now, think about this for just a moment. Jesus sees all this rejection in his life. He's looking out the back of the station wagon. What kept him focused on the cross? What kept him alive for the purpose of fulfilling so that you and I could spend eternity with him if we have relationship with him? It was simply saying, you know what? I'm not going to live back here in this rejection. What I'm going to do is I'm going to turn and keep my eyes on my purpose and focus on what God the Father has for me in my life. Can you imagine if Jesus said, you know what? No one's going to believe this. No one's going to believe me. No one's going to follow. I'm throwing in the towel and never did his purpose. You say, wow, that would be, that would be huge. But you know what? Us, think about us for a moment. There are people in your lives and in my life who are saying, what if they never fulfill their purpose? What if they never turn from the back to the front and never get beyond their, their past rejection and move on to their purpose? There are people waiting who are looking for us, me, you, all of us, saying, fulfill your purpose because in you fulfilling your purpose, there's life for me. Just like with Jesus. See, as followers of Jesus, we imitate him, we follow him, we, we do as he does, we try to live our lives like him. And as a result of that, what we have to learn to do is say, okay, Jesus, you dealt with the rejection. You handled the rejection. You, you somehow got past it and stayed focused on the mission. How do I do that? What are some keys for me? What are some ways that I can really learn this for my own life? Because let's be honest today, every one of us in this room has been rejected at some point, and every one of us want to get past that and find out what God has for us in our lives. So let's look at it. Freedom from your past rejection. Take a little bit of time here as we wrap this up. But number one is shift your attention off yourself and onto Christ and others. Now you say, wait, wait, that's just, I'm not really spend a lot of time on myself. I'm trying to love Jesus and all. But you know what? I think if we're, if we're really honest with ourselves, I think a lot of us spend a lot of time focused on ourselves. And I don't mean that like in a selfish way. Here's what I mean. We're like, God, help me through this. God, I need you here. God, I, I, I don't know what's happening. God, I, I, are you angry at me? God, and, and it's all about me. And I'm just encouraging all of us, what if we did this? Because that's looking out the back a little bit. What if we did this? What if we said, God, it's all about you? God, I love you. God, I bless you. God, I don't understand, but you know what? I still trust you. I still believe you have purpose for my life. I still believe you're focused with me and you want me to focus on my purpose. And then you begin to look at others and you say, you know what? Let me help. I understand you're going through a tough time. What can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I be a blessing to you? In other words, I take the focus off myself and I begin to put it on Christ and others. And what begins to happen is, is that my mindset begins to change. You see, there's been studies done on this, on, on this whole aspect of rejection, how the brain interacts 
with the whole idea of rejection. Do you realize, and some of you may know this, but studies show that the same area of the brain that becomes activated when we experience rejection is the same area of the brain that is activated when we experience physical pain. In other words, rejection is the only emotion that we have that, that it, it, it's the same area of our brain that physical pain is. Every other emotion is in a different area of our brain. This is why rejection hurts so much. It's like physical pain in your body. Matter of fact, don't do this. But if you go back and relive a moment of rejection in your past, then what happens is, is that same experience of pain comes into your life. And some of us keep living back there and we're, we're so filled with pain. And, and, I, and, and, and my heart goes out because I don't want anyone to have to live looking out the back of that station wagon. I want, I want you to be able to turn and see all that God has for your life in these moments. But you say, how come it is that, that this rejection is, is stings so much and has and is, is keep me in bondage for so long and, and is so, it, it's so real in my life because of what it does and how it affects us? And God's saying, you know what, today I want there to be a day of freedom for your life. I want today to be, not next week, not let me get through the series and go, no, 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 today God wants to set you free from all that past stuff and begin to walk in a new sense of freedom, you see. And when we relive that moment, every time it comes back to us. So there's a story, some of you are familiar with the story of Joseph. Joseph uh, matter of fact, I would suggest if you look on the bottom of your notes there, it says to read this week and next week, maybe read Genesis 37 through 50, Joseph's life, and just look at some different aspects of what he faced in life. It's some incredible things. We don't have time, obviously, to go through all of it. But Genesis 40, verses 6 and 7, look at it on your notes there. It says this. So when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they were both upset. They both looked upset. Why are you so worried today, he asked. Now you've got to understand the context. So Joseph, and some of you know the story, but Joseph, he comes, he's got several brothers. They all don't like him. They want to kill him. And so they throw him in a cistern, uh, a well, and then they see, they say, well, we can't really kill him. He's our brother. So they see this, the Midianites coming by, and they're the, these guys that are uh, traders, they trade all kinds of spices and things. And so they said, well, let's sell him as a slave. So they take him and they sell him to, uh, to the Midianites. And then the Midianites, they're traveling along, and all of a sudden they come to this place and they see Potiphar, who's got, he's a wealthy landowner, and they say, you know what? Uh, we're going to sell him to Potiphar. You ever feel like a pawn in a chess game? You ever feel like just somebody's deck, of, like the two of clubs that no one really values in a, in a, in a card game, just kind of there? And then, and then so, so Joseph is now with Potiphar, and, and, and then he, he's accused by Potiphar's wife of trying to, to rape her, and, 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 he, he, and he, obviously Joseph had a lot of character because she tried to seduce him, and he said no and ran off. So there's character within Joseph. It wasn't like Joseph was a bad guy and did a lot of bad stuff. And here's where some of you are wrestling this morning. Some of you are wrestling because you're in the midst of a valley, you're in the midst of something going on in your life, and you think God's angry with you. It could very well be that you're doing everything right, and God is just leading you through the valley, not to the valley, but the enemy's still trying to do what he can in your life to get you off your purpose. So Joseph here is a good guy, pretty much, but he gets accused, and so now Potiphar throws him in jail, in prison. And prisons back then were not like they are today. Like he didn't have cable TV and he didn't have a nice bed and he didn't have all those nice luxuries, air conditioning and stuff. It was pretty bad. And he spent years in prison. 
for something he never did. And then these two guys from the king, the cupbearer and the baker, come. They get thrown in prison for something. I don't know what they did. It doesn't tell us, but they get thrown in prison. And Joseph kind of befriends them. Now think about this for just a moment. Watch this. Here's a guy. You saw the history. You saw the back view out of the station wagon of Joseph's life. You saw all of that take place. And then all of a sudden, what happens is he comes and we read verse 6 and 7. He goes up to these two guys and said, hey, guys, what's going on? You look upset. In other words, he took the focus off of himself and his circumstances and began to place it on others. He began to look and say, how can I help you? Oh, I know I'm going through a tough thing here. I know things are rough in my life. I, listen, I've, uh, the string of rejection here is long. There's lots of stuff, but it's not about me. It's about how can I help you today? What can I do for you? And I'm telling you, watch this, because if, you don't, if we don't do that, what happens is our brains keep reliving that moment and the pain multiplies itself. But as soon as we begin to reactivate, and this is what Romans 12, 2 talks about when it says, transform the way you think. Think differently. Do something that, that is different from the way that everybody else in the world seems to do it. And you begin to bring joy to others. And then we see this, number two is this. Stay committed to allowing God to change you. Stay focused, stay committed to the idea that God is always wanting to change me, always wanting to, to do something in my life. Because God can use every circumstance in our lives to make us more like him. And I don't know about you, but I am so far from looking like Jesus. I am so far. I need him to change me because I want to be more like him. But it's, I, if I try to do it myself, man, but I got to let him change me. And sometimes it doesn't always feel good. Sometimes surgery to make me better hurts a little bit. And I got to recover from the surgery, but I know in the long run I'll be better. And sometimes God does surgery of our soul and he does things inside of us and it's painful, but in the long run, it's going to be good, see? And then it says in Genesis 50, 20, it says this, you intended to harm me. This is Joseph talking, but God intended for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many, to save the lives of many. In other words, the enemy knows the potential of every person in this room. He knows what, what could happen if a follower says, you know what, I'm going after Jesus, I'm all in. And so he says, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can to stop that. And I'm going to bring pain and rejection and shame and guilt and all these things into their life. And then what happens is, is we tend to live back there. And instead, God says, you know what, no, 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 no. What the enemy meant for harm, God can turn it around. Aren't you glad that he leads us in victory? He can turn it around and save the lives of many. You have no idea. Watch this. You have no idea just by you making a little shift and me making a little shift in our lives that we could potentially save the lives of other people in some way, whether it be a big way or a small way. When I, when I do marriage uh, ceremonies, this is why none of you who are not married will ever ask me to do your marriage ceremony. When I do marriage ceremonies, I say to the couple, I say, marriage is an invitation to die because your spouse is trying to kill you, all right? I mean, think about it for just a moment. Your spouse is trying to kill you and you're trying to kill him or her, right? You really are. You say, you don't believe me? No, it's true because here's what happens. You're, we're, we're all selfish. We're all selfish people and your spouse sees it in you and so she's trying to kill me and I'm trying to kill her and her selfishness. And if we keep fighting it, it just creates all kinds of problems. So it's just better just to say, you know what? Okay, you win. You win. And how many of you husbands know the wife usually wins, right? Okay, so it's a different, different topic. Number three, number three. Sever ties with your past in order to see the fruit. 
Sever ties with your past in order to see the fruit. Could I have my volunteers come up here, if you would, real quick? Uh, just uh, come up on the stage here with me. And So sever the ties with your past. So here's what happens. Real quick, guys, real quick. Come on, you're all younger than me. Let's go. Come on. So... So here's what happens. Here, hold this in right here. And so what happens is, is that, you know what? She hurt me and she did this to me and, 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 and you know, she rejected me and I don't like this. And, and then what happens is, is that somebody else comes along. I thought this was my best friend. And all of a sudden he's, you know, doing this to my life. And then all of a sudden we've got another one. And oh man, this was a long time ago. And I still remember it. I still remember what happened. It was a long time ago. And, and I don't like what she did. And, and then all of a sudden this, uh, this bald guy comes into my life. And so, you know, and so... You know, now he's, and so now I'm trying to fulfill God's purposes in my life. And, and you guys, and you know, and here's the thing. They have no idea what's going on. They, they're, they're out living their life. It's me. I'm the one that's caught in bondage because they're, I'm just trying to do things. But all this stuff is just, it's just tangled me up. Are you okay back there? All right. And so he has no idea. He has no clue what's going on. I'm the one in bondage, you know, and, and all these things. And I don't like, and I can't stand it. This happened so long ago. And all these things are happening. Troy, come here. Help me out here. Help me out. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. I'd be a fool to bring a sword on stage. So I just brought scissors, but they're gold. <laughs> and so what we do is we cut the, we sever the ties. We say, God, you know what? I need to get into your word. I need to watch, watch, watch. I need to consider and think about what you think about me. Not what I think about me. Not what these guys think about me. Because they have no idea. They're living their life. And I can't get to my purpose when I've got all this stuff in my life. So I've got to learn and I've got to walk through and listen. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not here to say it's as easy as cutting a rope. What I am saying is, is that coming here to South, Southridge, going to your life groups, going, going to the various places, hanging out with someone, having coffee with someone, talking through the issues, getting, opening your Bible, reading through, and just taking a verse or two and just say, God, let me, I don't want to just read this. I, I, want, I want it to really do surgery inside of me. See? Thank you, guys. You guys can. And let me finish up with this. Genesis 48, 14. But Jacob crossed his arms. Now, again, you've you got to have to read a story because I'm just giving you just a snapshot, an Instagram of a video. But Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay his hands on the boy's heads. And he put his right hand on the head of Ephraim, and, though he was the younger boy, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, even though he was the firstborn. He was blessing him. These were Joseph's kids later in life. And Manasseh was the oldest. He should have gotten the blessing with the right hand. But grandpa says, no, 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 no. See, you've got to understand that in the Bible, names are very important as they are today, and they mean something. Manasseh meant forgive or forget. That's what that, his name means. And then Ephraim means fruit. And so Joseph, watch this, Joseph comes and says, I'm going to name my firstborn forgive. Because I need to forgive all the people who've hurt me. And then I'm going to name my second one fruit because God is going to do fruit in my life. He had the right order. But the father, grandfather, the father, the legacy leader, lever, Joseph comes and switches his arms. And he gives the blessing to the younger over the older. He was blessing the fruit 
more than the forgiveness. In other words, here's what I'm saying. Yes, we forgive, and yes, we move on, because there's fruit on the other side. But our Heavenly Father says, you know what? I'm going to bless the fruit in your life. I'm going to bless that and make it bigger. When I was growing up, some of you know the background, having four different fathers. My mom and dad weren't married, never seen my father. That's my, that's my back seat on the station wagon. Multiple abandonments of dads and all this stuff from the time I was in kindergarten to the time I was 18 or graduated high school. We moved 18 different times that I can remember. I was always being introduced in front of the class as the new kid, Rodney, Michael, whatever my last name was at that moment. And sometimes it wasn't even officially that because my birth certificate said this, but I had a different dad. And so they gave me the dad's last name in front of the class. And so my identity as an individual was always in question. I was always being introduced in front of multiple crowds as the new kid. I didn't know anybody. I hated it. It's the backseat of the station wagon. Do you know what God's doing now and what God has been doing over the years? Today, I don't say this, this is not about me. Today, I travel all over the world speaking to teenagers. I'm always introduced as the new guy. I don't know anybody in the crowd. I've spoken to teenagers as, as much as 15,000 in an arena don't know anybody, I'm the new guy being introduced. I'm not saying this to pat myself. What I'm trying to show you is this, that the blessing is on the fruit of your life, but you got to get through the forgiveness part. And God wants to use what the enemy has tried to destroy your life with, the anger and the stuff in my heart from being that new kid that always introduced, to say, you know what? There's great fruit. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity to come and to hear from your word. To see ourselves, Lord, in a place that where we're, we're wanting so desperately to live in freedom. And now we can come to a place in our lives where we say, God, I, I, I want to be in freedom and not, not have to look out the back of that station wagon anymore. You have, you have purpose for my life. You have, you have fruit you want to do in my life. The blessing is on the fruit of my life. And so this morning I choose to forgive. I choose to move beyond. I choose to sever the ties. I choose to cut the rope. Would you take a moment right now perhaps and just, just in your own words, in your own way, just... Just talk to Jesus about that. Just say, you know what, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm making a decision. I'm not saying you're going to feel it. I'm just saying you're making a decision. I'm making a decision to sever ties, to forgive, to move on into my purpose, to move on into the fruit, the blessing of the fruit. May from this moment on in every person's life in this room, those watching on video. May every person's life from this moment on experience the blessings of living with the fruit of what God wants to do in their purpose. And as you have your heads bowed for just a moment, let me just ask, some of you may be here this morning, you say, you know what? 
I don't know that I have a real relationship with Jesus to even begin this process. I've never really had a conversation with Jesus about him coming to save me so that I could spend eternity in heaven with him. I've never really had a conversation with Jesus about the fact that I'm here and and I choose to surrender my life to him and say, Jesus, I believe that you're the only way to heaven and I believe that, that you died on a cross for me and you forgive all my sin. And so this morning, I would, in response to you, Jesus, and in response to what you're wanting to do in my life, I, I just want to say, Jesus, I, I want to receive you into my life. I want to I receive your grace. I want to receive your abundant grace. I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to receive, I want to spend eternity with you, Jesus. So with every eye closed across this place, if you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I would, I would, that's me. That's where I'm at. I, I want to make that decision to follow Jesus. I want to I I have a conversation with him. I want to I be with him. If that's you, maybe you've never done that in your life, or maybe at some point in your past you did that, but you realize you've not been living for him. Would you just lift a hand? I just want to pray with you. Yeah, thank you, sir. Anybody else? Just lift a hand. Say, that's me. Yes, thank you over there. Thank you. Anybody else? Just lift a hand real quick. Thank you in the middle there, sir. Thank you. Yes, in the back there. Thank you. Thank you over there in the back. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Jesus, I pray for my friends who've made a commitment to you. Lord, bless them in wonderful ways. May this be the start of an incredible journey in their lives, Lord. We thank you for that. 